Phoenix Down Radio is on the air. Welcome everybody to Phoenix Down Radio episode number 175. I'm your host Klaus Nightbringer. Joining me as always is our, our co-host Sarah Timono. Sarah, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, holding up all right. Actually managed reasonable amounts of sleep, so not brain fogged for once. Sleep. Life is pretty decent. Is that where you're a Viking? Uh, I mean, I don't appreciate the comparison to Ralph Wiggum, <laughs> but I do appreciate the going for the Simpsons quote. Yeah. So I'm kind of a mixed feelings right now. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, it's much like how uh, Homer didn't like uh, Bob's Bart killing policies, but did approve of his Selma killing policies. Mm. Yeah, I will go for the deep cuts. Don't try me. No, we won't try you. Well, maybe we will just to see what we can get. But it is what it is. We are back for another fun filled episode. Hopefully. What have you been up to other than sleeping the last two weeks? Oh, I mean, still unpacking and moving stuff in. Uh, The living room is starting to approach usable. uh, So that's really nice. Uh, Some of the new content, of course. I've got Dragoon and Reaper up to 87 now. So I'm not too far from all the strength jobs being 90. Okay. Um, I work actually ended up working out way better than I expected. I did a data processing project uh, to help out with some stuff and then was like, hey, I noticed a bunch of patterns in this and made a bunch of spreadsheets. And I am apparently now going to be doing a presentation to the division managers about, hey, here are some changes you should make. Well, as long as they, they take it the way it's intended, that, that should at be least, cool. At least one of the division managers knows of my tendency to rant and actually likes it. <laughs> So this is probably going to be okay. Probably. We'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be pulling for you on that. But you, you, like I have a, I have a known weird quantity, and they're apparently okay with that. You, you're you're kind of forgetting something else that you were telling me before the uh, the show today about something that you did to get your or that you're going to be doing oh. to make your house nicer. Right. And then forced um, me to do the same thing. I didn't force you to do you anything. You totally Take- did. Just kidding. You <sighs> didn't. But. So uh, my aunt and my cousins sent some uh, mail. Like they sent some postcards and letters because it's so nice to get mail when you've moved into a new place. Mm-hmm. Uh, three or four, uh, three of them that all arrived on the same day, even though they did not, were not able to coordinate that, given that they're in completely different parts of the country. So nice coincidence on that. And my aunt included a check uh, that she said was specifically for buying decorations. And so I bought a bunch of cool uh, ukiyo-e uh, posters. Uh, I feel like I should. I'm going to go ahead and uh, put it. Already uh, did. God. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the fact that I also dropped a couple hundred dollars <laughs> on, on art prints there as well. Uh, because there's yep. some actually beautiful looking art based off of uh, um, a lot of some video game stuff and just, you know, a lot of you know, meme culture as well. It, it's really yeah. nice and I recommend it. Ukiyo-e is uh, the name for a traditional Japanese art style. If you've ever seen stuff like that famous one of the giant wave or things like that, it's a kind of traditional one from a few centuries back. And the artist here uh, does a lot of modern properties and things 
in that old style on oh, traditionally made Japanese paper. So when you buy the stuff, you're actually also supporting traditional crafts. Yeah, a you- friend of mine rec- recommended it uh, since he used it for his decoration. I found a batch of stuff that would work in my place. And then I told Klaus about it and Klaus spent money he wasn't expecting to. Yeah, well, Good they, times. They, they had some really nice Final Fantasy based ones that I had to pick up, including a nice uh, triptych uh, with uh, Kefka and uh, the FF6 characters. I mean, it was really nice, and I'm looking forward to putting it up in my place. Um, but it's funny you mentioned I actually po- have a at poster. At some point, the wall behind me may have uh, the one of Sabin supplexing the train. Yeah, I got that one, too. <laughs> and Tradition. Then, and then there's one of Terra in a uh, um, kind of a Edo period-style Magitech um, piece that, that she's writing in, and then uh, Cloud and Sephiroth um, in battle, you know, more traditional japanese style but it's really cool looking yep. but funny you mentioned the uh that uh, poster with the uh, uh boat on the waves i actually have that in my room as well so yeah it, it's it, a good traditional one it is it's very nice looking and a lot of uh um pieces are are based off of that as well so but yeah they're not a sponsor hashtag sponsor us but uh you know definitely <laughs> go check them out there's a lot of really cool cultural uh stuff in there and not terribly priced for quality Jikli uh, uh, Arts prints and then some actual uh, wood prints as well. So, Oh yeah, the wood block stuff is really expensive mm-hmm. so that's more a thing for serious collectors but it looks gorgeous. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I ended up getting some of that too. I also decided that uh, I wanted to upgrade monitors so I decided to purchase a pair of uh, ultra-wide uh, 1440p monitors and playing Final Fantasy in 21 by 9 it's quite interesting quite interesting yeah I, like do you are you able to see like more of the field does it actually expand your view or how does that yeah, end up working a little bit I mean it, it expands it out you know you got uh, I suppose a couple more inches on on either side to be able to see things you know on your periphery so it, it oh, does. yeah a couple inches makes a big difference I'm not going to do it. I almost did it. I almost did it, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be a good boy today. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Um, good times. Aside from also, you know, you know, being a little bit of a, uh, um, you know, spending some money and, and uh, things like that. Been doing, a, you know, a lot of work. Uh, been prepping up for uh, two weeks from now, which is going to be not only episode uh, uh, 176, but it will also be Extra Life 2022 Game Day. Uh, we're going to be starting here at twitch.tv slash Radio live at 12 noon uh, central time. And we're going to go for about 12 plus hours, uh, depending on how well everything goes. If we can um, beat our goal, uh, there's a good chance we'll continue going on for a little while longer and uh, and things like that. Uh, so look forward to uh, um, some games, fun, prizes, and surprises, and uh, just a good time. So you'll be able to support a, a wonderful charity. I strongly recommend you know stopping by, checking it out, and if you have a few extra dollars to donate, um, it'd be greatly appreciated. So thank you much. And let's go ahead and thank our Patreon producers, Nick Nar, Aurori, Tibiant, Ravenheart, and Mika. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into gaming community news. Final Fantasy VII, the first soldier, the mobile shooter game, has already announced that they're ending service uh, less than a year after its release. 
Uh, this comes from GameInformer.com, and this article is written by Marcus Stewart, so thank you so much for that. Uh, it's been announced that... Uh, let's bring the article up for me as well, so I can read it a little bit. Uh, the game will be ending service completely in January, um, though any of the non-English uh, translations will be going down in November. I believe it's in no yep, November 1st. The, the, the support for non-English localization will end, uh, meaning text will only be displayed in English moving forward, and then on January 11th, the first soldier goes offline for good. Sarah, did you ever usually play this? I never did, honestly. Uh, I was going to say, usually there's at least a little bit of uh, lag time in terms of which translations have been done and which ones they're working on, so it's probably more of a, we're not bothering with any more, so smoke what you've got. Yep. Um, what it, from a tweet, this is what they said it is with a heavy heart that we are announcing the end of service for Final Fantasy 7 The First Soldier. We'll be ending service at 7 p.m. UTC on January 11th, 2023. Despite all our efforts to bring you regular updates with fresh and exciting content, we haven't been able to deliver the experience that we were hoping to and that you'd all deserve, so we've made the extremely tough decision to end service for Final Fantasy 7 The First Soldier. We'd like to thank you all for supporting us over the past year. Although there is only a little less than three months until service ends, we will continue to make updates during this time, so we hope you'll continue to enjoy Final Fantasy VII The First Soldier until the very end. Uh, it's always a little sad for something like this. Uh, just like some, uh, these games live and die by uh, how much uh, successful they are financially. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if something doesn't catch on right away, it doesn't get a second chance if it's not profitable. Yep, and, and Square Enix is known, you know, they do make quite a few uh, popular and profitable mobile games. Uh, look at uh, Defu, um, Record Keeper. Not anymore on Record Keeper, well, yeah, Record that's had end of oh, service. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Um, what other ones have been really good, though? Uh, I think Brave Exvius is still holding Brave strong. Brave Exvius and then uh, War of the Visions, I believe, are still going strong. Um but I mean, Record Keeper was around for a very long time and did make a, a good chunk of money. I, I I know you spent a few uh, bucks on gems, didn't well, you? Let's not talk about that right now. Not as near, much as you spent in Defu, but <laughs> I'm trying to think. I don't. I think the only one I ever spent some money on was Mobius. Yeah, because I mean, uh, it was a kind of a card-based game, and that's one I, I kind of miss. Yeah, and I mean, like, that's the thing for a lot of them. Like, Obvious, I really enjoyed. It had a really weird and kind of interesting and trippy story that now the only way you get to experience it is if you go find a YouTube video. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm actually reminded of there was a thing I saw just the other day. What was it? It's a tele show, but... There we are. Uh, oh, it was the uh, show Final Space of... Uh, it was a science fiction show that was popular for a little while. Uh, and it was a, a thing where pretty much they've decided for tax reasons that they're going to just like make it not available anymore. Mm. Like they want to be able to write it off as a loss. Yeah. And so as a direct result of that, they take it down from all of the various like online platforms. Like you don't own it. You own a license to it. They revoke the license because in order to write it off as a loss, they have to make it so they can't get any more money from it. So they're like, okay, we're taking this as a loss and deducted on taxes. And that means that pretty much unless someone happens to have some videotapes of it somewhere, which I think it had a very small DVD run that I think is out of print at this point, it's effectively lost to the world. 
And that's sad, especially in this yep. day and age when everything has been digitized and is available on the internet for, for an eternity type of thing. But I mean, that's the thing. You think of it as available for an eternity, but if you are not being very careful about your preparations, like something just goes away and you can't get it back. Yeah. And even if you make an archive, if that archive ends up going down for whatever reason. Yep. So you do have to be very careful with things like that, uh, as well as, you know, that's my been my biggest gripe about everything going digital. It is very convenient for, you know, being able to access it, you know, when it is available, but when yeah. those services go down. It, yeah. I, I like it when people own their uh, own their uh, works. The doctrine of first sale is important. Yeah. But uh, going back to the Final Fantasy one, uh, I although I was not super interested in the gameplay, Given that it was part of the whole Final Fantasy VII universe, that they continue to expand on, develop that story, I'm sure there were lots of little interesting tidbits and stories and just little things to enjoy in that. That yeah. again, pretty much the only way you can is if someone went ahead and made a YouTube video and uploaded it, and who knows how long that'll be available. Though Chili did say in chat that uh, Ever Crisis is going to have some of the First Soldier content available in it, so some of the story beats and uh, lore from it is are, is going to be available potentially. And I, uh, I think he's saying that it was going to have, it sounds like more like there might've been like a crossover ish type thing or something like oh, that. Okay. I'm not sure. Well, we'll have to see what that actually we are attempting to We are attempting to parse Chili's statements when Chili is right there. Yep. He has no idea. We'll have to figure it oh. out. <laughs> well then back to speculating. <laughs> speculating is fun. Uh, speaking <sighs> of more final fantasy seven content, uh, final fantasy seven rebirth could deviate even more from its original timeline. And this article comes from uh, GameSpot.com, written by Darren Bonthis. I hope I didn't uh, butcher his name too badly. But uh, reading into that a little bit, it, they talk about uh, oh, yeah. how, how 7 Remake ended on that big cliffhanger back in 2020 and kind of teased on an all-new timeline for Cloud and their party as they fought to change fate. Um, yeah, uh, this... So this article is highlighting uh, the FF7 remake blog that Square Enix has been running, uh, where the co-director Motomu, Motomu Toriyama, I feel like I'm butchering that first name, Motomu. Motomu. Motomu Toriyama uh, was discussing and uh, giving a bit of emphasis about how uh, at the end of the uh, first game, the Whispers are not going to be able to act to maintain the destined timeline, so fans can look forward to seeing what kind of future awaits the team. Uh, the fact that they're emphasizing this aspect mm, does seem like they're going to lean a bit more into the, the timeline is going to diverge and we're going to have lots of these unexpected elements. Yeah. Uh, it was something where, in, uh, in the first bit of Remake, a lot of what we knew from the original game we could use as a guide to what to expect. And there was some amount of like, oh, hey, recognition of this bit. Oh, but it's been changed in this way. And it seems like our recollections are going to become less and less useful of a guide to predicting what's going to happen. But I am still extremely excited to, for what the game brings. Um, oh, I mean, yeah, 100%. Turning it into a complete remake of the story, which is really nice. Basing it roughly off of, you know, what we had in the 1997 original for PlayStation. And uh, yeah. God, that, 25 I mean, sounds, years ago. Can you believe that? God, that's so weird. How the hell has it been? It doesn't feel that long. We're old uh, there. In the chat, Chili is uh, <laughs> suggesting uh, his personal theory of a split timeline where one goes 
where you get to play as Zack instead of Cloud and the main story going through Cloud as normal and, and the final boss being kind of a fight against Sephiroth from two timelines at the same time. Kind of like huh. the split party mechanic you had in the original FS7 in the Northern Crater, except instead of splitting along different paths, you actually have him being attacked from different timelines. Interesting idea. That is quite interesting, you know, especially with, with the fact they're talking about, you know, the... Uh, um the, uh, the, 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 the Crisis Core uh, remaster is going to stay more true to the original PSP game, um, just with updated graphics akin to what is in um, the, the remake we, of Final Fantasy VII. We did get that stinger that has Zack in it, uh, also with suggestions that it is in a separate timeline from the one we saw in the majority of remake. So the idea that we have multiple timelines all acting uh, in concert is an interesting one that at the very least uh, is not inconsistent with what we've already seen. It's the FF7CU multiverse. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's see. We are 17 so minutes in, and we've already broken Sarah. Does the Final Fantasy Cinematic Universe include Spirits Within? How about that really old anime based off of FF5? The Magon has thawed. <laughs> oh. Look, I'm all for cursed shit, but this is a bit much. <laughs> You love it and you know it, Sarah. I'm I'm really I know, I'm I know. really, really looking forward to what's coming up. I mean, this is a stacked next year for Final Fantasy, so it's gonna be amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh continuing on, um, we got a little bit of Final Fantasy 14 news to talk about before we get into our uh um discussion topic mainly on Final Fantasy 14. But right now we have the All Saints Wake event live on the servers. Uh, go check that out. It's actually a very cute story. Uh, get some pretty neat glams. Get a new emote where you can eat pumpkin cookies. And uh, you get a really cool uh, housing item. a uh, uh, Like a, a, a wisp. A caged wisp. Little uh, lamp-like thing uh, with that uh, caged wisp there. Really cute. Uh, I'm amused that, that it's called the Wake Doctor. Though I suppose they already used Plague Doctor for an armor set before. Yeah, they actually did. As a, it was a caster gear, I believe. Uh, yeah, it's the stuff you get in. I want to say Saint Mosian's Arboretum, something like that. But I, I, uh, I still want the 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 actual full. You know, did they have the Plague Doctor mask and everything with the big nose? Uh, yes, actually. Okay, I'll have to get a copy of that because I, I like I want that. I really want that. Um, yes, uh, the ca caster and healer ones. Have the the plague doctor and plague bringers mask with the long beak like one of the traditional plague doctor mask okay yep i will have to get that too eventually <laughs> which means running old content but i can solo it at this point so it's not that big of a deal uh speaking of other cool things that you can where you can look at pretty pictures of gear and stuff like that the new art book uh final fantasy 14 and walker the art of resurrection among the stars is available um, you can get it on Square Enix's website, or you can go out to Amazon and get it for 31 bucks. That's a really good deal. Uh, it includes a Ragnarok minion. Kind of neat, I've got that flying around me right now, just because I like to use the new minions uh, when they first come out. Just give them a little love, you know? They're cute, they're fun to show off. Exactly. And those art books are, are just so nice. I, I, I really enjoy um, being able to see all of the concept art 
Um, and some of the things that I might miss as I'm running through the story as Bard, I don't, you know, push too hard on every single job like Sayre. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, we put a link to the Amazon store uh, to purchase this yeah. uh, book in the chat if you I, guys are interested. The, the type of thing that makes a nice coffee table book. Yep. Like just having it set out, it makes a nice visual impact. It's fun to flip through. Uh, even people who aren't necessarily as familiar with the series can appreciate uh, the gorgeousness of some of the art. So I've been... Le uh, since I've been thinking about decorating a bit lately, I've been leaning a bit towards stuff that's either like kind of stealth or at least not overly in your face nerdy. And having those video game art books is one that's a really fun way to go about it. Though for full disclosure, the link posted in chat will actually uh, is actually an affiliate link and will give Phoenix Star Radio just a little bit of kickback. So if you want to purchase it using that, we would greatly appreciate it. We want money, please. Everyone wants money, really, so I don't even know why I pointed that out as if it's weird, but... All right, and the next thing I'm posting in chat is a link to the newest Final Fantasy 16 trailer. Four and a half minutes of just gorgeous gameplay and, uh, and cinematics, some really cool backstory, and goosebumps. This one, uh, the... Story elements seem to be focusing a bit more on the kind of Games of Thrones, as Thrones aspects of it, as people have been describing it, the different political and uh, or geopolitical powers of uh, the different nations, their ambitions. Yep. Uh, in fact, I believe the trailer is actually called Ambition. It is indeed. But damn it, Sarah, for stepping on my toes about the whole Game of Thrones bit, because uh, I was also linking an article from Kotaku.com written mm -hmm. by Ethan Gatch. Thank you so much, Ethan, for writing that article. Um, it kind of They talk a little bit about some of the geopolitical that Sarah was expounding on there um, yeah. and, and how they're kind of showing each of the different... Uh, countries or uh, um areas factions if you want to call them that i think um, factions is the right word here and, and how each one is kind of ruled by their own dominant or a person who can um control the icons that that uh, are prevalent in this world of final fantasy 16. it's really really cool to, to see you know more about the world and what the, uh, the the team at uh, uh, Creative Unit uh, Three have been working on for this game? Yeah, it's uh, some of those uh, elements with the dominance are really striking. Uh, that one, the person who realized probably through, oh, he is clearly calling the power of Titan, and mm -hmm. the guy like has this like kind of visual callback to it. So, mm -hmm. and the fact lots that of stuff like that. The game is going to have a little bit more mature elements in it. They they, they show some uh, um, a lot of blood and gore. Uh, you know, and, and, and violent acts. There's a, a little bit of uh, perceived nudity and uh, a little bit of bow chicka wow wow, potentially. I mean, <laughs> it, it seems reasonably clearly implied that mm -hmm. those two are sleeping together. Exactly. I am not quite sure which gender one of them is presenting as, so we might also get our queer content in there. I'm not quite sure. Who knows? But to expound upon this a little bit, um, PushSquare.com uh, also had an article talking about uh, how uh, Yoshida is saying that the development of Final Fantasy 16 is now in the home stretch and is on schedule for a summer 2023 release. Um, they're, they're saying right now that, uh, the, the storyline content is pretty much done. They are just tweaking things, making things look better and just making sure everything is going to be smooth for that, uh, that next summer release. 
And I put those really, last layers of polish on it. Really, 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 really want to play this game. <laughs> yeah, the uh, gameplay sequences that we saw briefly focused a lot on icon versus icon combat. Oh, uh, that battle quick, system. <laughs> quick eyed viewers or viewers with a lot of time to go through with the pause button uh, will be able to spot a lot of Final Fantasy mainstays among the icons. So. Yep. Um, listed were uh, Bahamut, uh, Ifrit, Titan. Uh, you could you could see uh, Garuda, Shiva, um, Odin was there as well. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of things at stake in 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 the world All of the Final classics. Fantasy 16. So yeah, it's uh, although there are like a lot of recurring ones. Most uh, games will have one or two that are unique to it that often add a little bit of special flavor. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what unique ones we might get here. Yeah, we'll have to see what type of things we may get with that. So thank you mm -hmm. so much for, uh, to Robert Ramsey for putting that article together on PushSquare.com. <sighs> so that, that takes care of the news. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about patch 6.25. Um, I'll go ahead and link the patch notes here for those who may want to go through and read them. Um, short, yep. but a lot of good content. Um, like, I am surprised that we have like three major things and all of them are fairly story focused. Mm -hmm. as, as well as written or, well. Yeah. I mean, written well, I'm not surprised at, but like three <laughs> different things that are all have a lot of good, like, lore and story content. So. Lots of meat in there for me to sink my teeth into. What did you start with? Oh, so I ended up starting uh, with the Manderville weapons in part because when the servers went down, I had still been working on catching up the Manderville quests. So I was like, OK, well, I finished this one. I'm right there for the next one. Uh, uh, the somehow further Manderville quests continue to. I mean, it depends on how you feel about Manderville stuff. I get a good laugh out of how ridiculous it is, so I, I continue to be satisfied with the ridiculousness of it. I definitely enjoyed the slapstick humor involved with it. Um, you know, the the traveling, you know, back around different areas, uh, Radzat Han and uh, Garlemald finally to the moon. Um, a lot of uh, interesting things. The the uh, uh, I'm trying to think of what the the um, reporter's name or, or who that was yeah where he he's he was a little bit of a disappointment to me personally but uh, i i see where he fits in the story he's just kind of like a, your, your normal tin hat kind of uh, uh conspiracy theorist I, I mean for a manderville story you pretty much have to have some person who's not part of the universe who stumbles into it and is like what nonsense is going on here problem is nobody's gonna know what what nonsense is going on here unless you've been in it from the beginning <laughs> yeah i mean the i I'll agree that he didn't land quite as much i think so with this one they went for kind of a conspiracy theorist given that we had the travel to the moon uh having something with like a person who has theories about aliens and all that fits in really really well it's a natural connection there uh but that also meant that where you'd have normally your straight man type role is very confused and be like, like, it didn't quite work when it's someone who is already looking for the weird and strange. And so it's like, 
it was less about being shocked that weird stuff is happening and more about misinterpreting what was going on. Yeah. So it changed up the dynamic a bit in a way that I wasn't quite as into, but a lot of the random silly stuff was there. The entire sequence of with the face on the moon and the stuff that came out of it was <laughs> so completely out of left uh. field and yet made so much... You know, like you see them embedded in there. It's like, of course, that is where they are going to crash into. Yeah, that is the only place they could have. Yeah, go enjoy the content. It it is very good. Um, like like I said, there are a few parts that didn't hit quite as strongly for me, but overall, I thought it was a a, a very well written uh, bit of storyline that led greatly into the Manderville weapons. Oh, yep. I'll also throw in that we do get another. One of the other things we see along the Manderville quest is a uh, callback to like classic Final Fantasy thing, Gilgamesh, Yojimbo. And in this one, given the alien focus, we got to have a little bit of Final Fantasy VIII's alien uh, invader, Poo Poo. Yep. And that was, another yeah, that was another fun little one to uh, see and have involved in there. Yep. I'm, I, I still wonder if, if Gilgamesh is going to end up popping out of the little Poo Poo guy. Uh, probably. Not. Well, I mean, you, you wouldn't have thought he would have come out of Yojimbo either, but that's a but whole Yojimbo is at least a plausible disguise. You got to remember, uh, Gilgamesh is a uh, dimensional rift traveler. You know, he, you know, maybe the poopoo I mean, is bigger on the inside. <laughs> at this point, it feels like it would be gratuitous. It just doesn't feel like it would fit with what had already happened. Maybe. That said, I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up bringing in Greg again some other way. Yeah. Hopefully, very difficult to get rid of that one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's he's currently busy in uh, uh, Stranger of Paradise, but you know, he could come back to to fourteen anytime. Yep. Uh, so yes, as you were saying, leading into the Manderville weapons, which pretty much as a rule, if Godbert has his shirt off, crazy Manderville shit is happening. If Godbert has his shirt on, then it's somewhat more normal fits into the general flow of the world kind of thing. And it's probably going to lead into some crazy shit eventually with him taking his shirt off. I mean, eventually, but good way to tell the difference there. And so we got some nice little uh, interaction with Godbert in his more serious mode, uh, talking about his desire to go, uh, setting up the justification for the Manderville weapons, which I know a lot of people are wondering, how are you even going to justify this? And uh, the story goes into uh, his seeing uh seeing the uh, importance of uh, weapons as a way to defend the world, having focused on goldsmithing and a lot of this more ornamental stuff, but now seeing, given the threats to the world, he wants to do something that will kind of be able to help support and put this crafting knowledge to use. Yep. And of course, you know, he has to bring in the most preeminent smith in all of Eorzea. I mean, dude's got the money to bankroll it, and uh, Geralt, who as always remains under thumb of Rowena, Rowena is happy to take payments to apply them towards his massive, massive debt. Which he keeps making even even more by continuing to drink it away. God, wasn't even in Thavnir for one day before he uh, ran, spent all of his advance on booze. It's also kind of funny how he's calling out uh, um, Godbert for uh, you know being shirtless and, and not wearing pants. I mean, at, yeah. at least Geralt wears pants. Gotta give him that. I mean... Geralt is working in the forge. Like, 
having like the uh, burly Smith who's like mostly shirtless or lightly on in order to be able to establish that's like a fairly classic trope. Mm-hmm. But still, it just kind of, you know, yeah. it was funny to hear, see him call that oh, out. Oh, yes. Uh, lots of ridiculous stuff. God, the shirt does come off uh, as Godbert prepares all sorts of unusual weapon smithing materials. Again, I feel like attempting to describe it just won't do it justice. It's not uh, a long quest. It, to, yeah. In order to get your first weapon, it's a very simple process. Just requires 1,500 uh, tomes of uh, 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 astronomy, astronomy, I believe. Um, yep. So, yeah, most people are, yep. are able either had that already or easily able to get that. So you can at least get a, a new weapon for your main or whatever else you're to, working on. It's similar to the Save the Queen weapons. The first uh, quest is mostly just introducing the idea, has a light thing in order to get you started on it, get people hyped into uh be able to get yourself, in this case, a I-615 weapon, so the equivalent of what you'd get from Barbaricia X. Uh, reasonably good appearance on most of them. Uh, nice clean lines. Uh, the b- barbed one is a harp uh, type thing again, which I'm, I'm never a been on super... That. Yeah, it's a standard for Bard. I get it. It's not quite my thing, but I get it. But it seems like the end weapon usually at that point is a regular pretty nice looking bow. I mean, if you go back to like the the Zodiac Braves weapon, we get the Oichi bow. That's a pretty cool looking one. I'm hoping we get something similar. Yeah, and you see similar in the animal weapons, a lot of the other ones like that. So it's fine, especially since the different forms will be available as glamours. It makes sense to provide a lot of different styles for that. Indeed. So yeah, get go ahead and uh, run that. You do have to get through the somehow further man- Hilde- Hildebrand adventures before you can actually unlock your first Manderville weapon. This is the one place where I will not judge you for skipping cutscenes. Manderville stuff is not everyone's taste. I mean, give it a try. Uh, give it a try. Uh, uh, I love the slapstick. Uh, I do have one good friend who skips through pretty much all the as fast as possible. And another one who will let scenes run for about 30 seconds. And most of them finish by that point. And the rest of the time, it's about to go into some insanely batshit direction where most of it won't matter. And he can get the rest from context after. (laughs) And it's like, you know, that's fine. I mean, if you give it a shot, you know, it's understandable. But, you know. Yeah, at this point, I feel like people have probably given Manderville stuff a shot, and they have a good idea of where they stand on it. Yeah. Um, for me, the next thing I jumped into was the uh, Omicron tribal quests. Mm. And oh. Sarah pointed out some really interesting things about the first couple of uh, um, chapters of these quests, and yeah. wow, so it, it makes perfect sense. Sarah, go ahead. Oh, so... God, there's so much I want to say about it. Like, in any Final Fantasy game, you've got the cool adventure stuff. You've got the philosophical navel-gazing. This lands firmly on the philosophical navel-gazing side of it. So the the quests center around the uh, last dregs, uh, the remains of the first uh, civilization that Medeon had visited, recreated in Ultima Thule. Uh, where Jammingway, one of the uh, Loperits, has decided to establish a cafe. Uh, we, of course, had that as part of the side quests in earlier patches, and this is uh, kind of continuing that story, uh, where various races, dead races that Medeon had counted, 
encountered uh, distributed throughout the Thule and in the dead ends are being recreated and uh, brought into existence to serve as the cafe's customers. That first set of uh, customers, that was pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first set are the Corellians, which uh, people who run the dead ends will remember as those of uh, Ostracon Octo, uh, the world ravaged by war between the global community and the freedom fighters. And the, the first uh, Corellians that we encounter are, of course, immediately at each other's throats, not ready to put down uh, the conflict that has uh, been their defining thing through the end of their civilization. Because, of course, they had to uh, get one of each faction. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't want just one customer. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of interesting little touches there. There's some at, at various points through the quest, there's been some discussion about uh, what it means or how we should think about the fact that these are races that have been recreated from Dynamis. And so what that like what that means for the, their existence as people. Uh, since the Ultima Thule is a place suffused with dynamis and affected by the thoughts and uh, dreams of the people uh, there, or the entities there, I should say, uh, the cafe's customers and their experiences with each other uh, give rise to a new uh, star uh, named Elysian by the, uh, by the Loperitz. Mm -hmm. uh, We've already had a lot of uh, references to Greek mythology and the afterlife. In Pandemonium, we had Asphodelos and Abyssos, and Elysian was another part of the afterlife that was effectively their equivalent of heaven. Mm -hmm. uh, so we get to see that develop. For those who remember the Shadowbringers pixie quests, where you were uh, rebuilding and uh, developing the Land of Dreams, we get a similar dynamic here where Elysian continues to develop and build as we uh, help the Loperits run their cafe. Uh, well, jamming way in the Omicron, it's just the one Loperit. But Chili mentions that he, it was starting to actually uh, coalesce in 6.2 and, and, and getting bigger and bigger ah. throughout. I didn't okay. spend any time in, in, the, uh, in Ultima Thule really in 6.2, so I didn't actually pick that up. So good catch. So yeah, uh, what he's referring to there is the various stars like uh, around the Tilly that you can see the, all those remains of worlds, that there was one that was developing and coalescing through the patches. I honestly didn't notice that one as well. So yeah, very good catch there. But it, it is really cool to see that, you know, as we progress through uh, the quest line, how it's changing Elysium. And it's, it's really nice to see, you know, the, the things that are being added there. Um, so you pointed out to I, me something really cool with the, uh, the, the quest names. Oh, I'll get to that in a moment. Okay. There's just one other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, I know a lot of people, myself included, uh, things like running the dead ends, uh, encountering all those various civilizations in the Thule. It was something that was emotionally really rough, especially seeing the problems that they have and comparing those two and thinking about a lot of the problems that exist in our world. Uh, I've mentioned this to a lot of duty finder groups, but the end segment of the Corellian uh, section with the bit at the missile base was a scene that I saw in my nightmares several times when I was a kid. So that was a bit of a punch running into it as part of duty roulette. And it's really nice kind of revisiting this and like expanding, like sort of saying, okay, we've got these problems. Let's start taking it in a more hopeful direction about how things could go. Uh, it's something where I've 
actually started to feel the tears coming, not from sadness, but just from relief at the, hey, this is something that feels a little bit hopeful, which really nice thing to have a dose of. Indeed. The quests themselves, it's gathering quest stuff. There's nothing super special there. Uh, it's always fun to see how the specific text changes depending on which job you come as. Uh, for instance, a quest where they're looking to improve the coffee served at the last dregs, where they may be asking you to retrieve uh, salt. A fun fact, salt uh, does actually help reduce bitterness in coffee. I do know someone who accidentally added soy sauce to his coffee once, realized afterwards, decided to try it anyway, and said... It was way less horrible than he thought it would be. <laughs> it, it probably yeah. had a nice umami flavor to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And also like the salt helps tame the bitterness. So mm -hmm. uh, lots of fun little uh, details there for anyone who's ever worked in food service. Indeed. It, 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 I'm, uh, I'm really enjoying the quests. And yes, uh, the mainline quests, the ones that actually progress the various rank ups uh, I noticed right away, given how much I read them as a kid, so far it seems, well, as a teenager, I guess, so far it does seem like all the different quest names are references to different books in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy trilogy, which they steadfastly insist is a trilogy, even though it's six books. Just don't forget uh, to bring a towel. <laughs> Uh, the first one is a uh, quest is, of course, the cafe at the end of the universe, referring to the restaurant at the end of the universe. And the second one w is longing so for all the fish. A uh, nice little uh, rearrangement of so long and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to seeing how they work the other ones in there in a way that's going to incorporate all of these different uh, races that you find in the Thule. Though I, I will say, uh, let's leave the little bit of information we get regarding the Grebulofs uh, to them <laughs> for them to actually experience for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it's... <laughs> and, again, like, seeing these ones, uh, one of the things I actually liked about that is when they do join the Thule, uh, when they do join Elysian and uh, the place reconfigures to arrange them, again, we got to see... Parts of their world we'd seen in the dead ends, but revitalized and full of life and light and hope. Yep, so and, there's really cool things that we can look forward to as this uh, whole quest line progresses. And it, it's really, it, there's a lot of room to expand that area. Yeah. Uh, it makes me think that this was something they may have intended all along to show all the stuff of the despair that it would sink into and then the hope that it could eventually become. In which case, Way to do the one-two punch to our feelings, guys. I continue to be impressed. My only complaint is I wish they had done this for the crafters and not the gatherers. Yeah, I'm curious to see what we'll get for the crafters. Uh, the main speculation I hear is either the Garleans or the Loperits. I mean, the Garleans do, do make sense as well, just for the fact that we want to help them rebuild a little bit. So, you know, having crafters be able to actually you know construct yeah. things i mean that, that does yeah. make sense uh, it's also possible that they might do something more akin to domain restoration with that or they might do both or integrate them in some way yep, we'll have to see uh, what comes at the, at the moment we don't have any details about what their plans are but yeah the gap thinking about again comparing to shadow bringers the gathering ones most of the time like most of the time you already have all your gatherers at 90 or at least like people who uh mm -hmm. have been 
play like they're they're nice for people who are relatively new to catch up but for the gathering ones i've always felt like it's less about getting those gatherer levels and more about the story that comes along with it yeah like the gathering xp is a nice bonus but the impression i got and i would love to see some actual data about who's doing them and how many levels they get and how many are going at 90 uh but the impression I've always had is that it's there a bit more for the story than for the XP, that the XP is kind of a nice little bonus. Yep. I mean, because for me, uh, gatherers are always the first thing to, that I get to 90, aside from my main quest. There aren't as many. There aren't as many of them. They're easy to do. And most people's retainers uh, are, are sent out as gatherers as well. So it's really nice to be able to have those at max level to be able to get the most out of them as early as possible when a new expansion drops. So yeah, if you have any interest whatsoever in gathering, there's usually a fairly strong drive to go ahead and just get those up reasonably quickly. And it's not until like a couple patches after that the gathering quests show up. So again, nice benefit for those who aren't nearly as interested in it or who are new and catching up. Uh, But it does seem like it ends up being more of an opportunity for them to start telling interesting stories and really focus on the story aspects. Uh, I remember with Shadowbringers, a thing where you were looking at the Katari history and getting to actually uh, propose your uh, preferred version of how the history would go. That was a really fun element. That was fun. I will. I will give that. But the thing is, once once it was done with the story, I didn't go back because there's no need for it. I I got everything that I needed from the, uh, you know, getting the uh, um, items um, and and then there's no need for it. I'm continuing to go back to do all the Arca Soldier ones because I'm leveling up a number of other jobs. Yeah. So, and then whenever the crafting one comes out, there's a good chance I'll be uh, still working on leveling some of my crafters up. So I'll probably continue to run that until I have leveled yeah. up all of my crafting jobs. tends to require a bit more expenditure of resources. So usually I like, I've usually had them leveled pretty quickly, but I know others who will go at a gentler pace or focus on one or two that they really care about. Uh, So it's kind of in an in-between state, I feel like, as compared to between the uh, gatherer and the uh, battle ones. But that's why I really like the crafting ones or when we were able to get crafting uh, uh, tribe quests, mainly because it did not require a huge expenditure at that point. You were given the things you needed to to complete the quest without having to spend a ton of money. I mean, if you look at the Studium quest right now, there's a decent expenditure of money that has to go into those. Same with the Crystarium quests back in uh, uh, Shadowbringers. Mm, Yes, the uh, Crystalline main quests. Yep. Exactly. Facet quests is what they were called, right? Yeah. Well, you you know what I was talking about. Yes. I'm just being particular about naming, but yeah, yeah you're uh, not wrong. So yeah, uh, given that again, this was set it, set in the Ultima Thule where you already have the idea of philosophical outlook and feelings and all that, and then that molding song. the <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, the and Elysian does as usual. Elysian has like a uh, slightly remixed version of it that nice I found myself just. I found myself just parking there and then like having that run in the background while I was doing work this last week. Oh no, it is a very nice instrumental rendition of that song. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, when you're going through doing everything for the quests themselves, I mean, you're 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 hearing that just playing in the background. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one uh, one interesting difference as compared with the pixie ones is that 
some of the quests actually do send you into Elysian to gather materials from it as well. So it's yep. not with the Pixie one, the Realm of Dreams was more a place that you visited for the rank up quests and maybe to get some uh, fun pictures of yourself in a gingerbread house. Uh, but this is one where uh, the daily quests are regularly having you interact with it. Uh, so I do wonder if that's going to create a little bit more of a sense of connection to it. Hopefully. And, and it's, it's fun. It's, it's, it's a, it, I like how it's changing and expanding so far. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'll probably be hitting the next set of quests probably Monday, I think, is when I'm going to be due. I, did, uh, I didn't I will... get the morning one when the patch was released. I mm-hmm. wasn't quite that smart, but... So I'm, eh, I'm like, oh, there's no rush. I must do all the things. Oh, no, an I'm, island sanctuary with its flower smelling champions. I'm the best flower smeller. Oh, I am, Whatever, still, I am no, still going to my island every day. Yeah. Enjoy, enjoy the gentle pace. The story is really great. Again, some of the, the constant sniping between N7000 and Jamming Way. I feel like I might get a little tired of it at some point. Oh, come on. They, it's cute. They have been kind of creative in how they're insulting each other, so... I do like N7000's new ears. <laughs> You'll see what we mean when you, when you go through the quests. Yeah. Alright, and then the last bit of, it, of stuff that we got in patch 6.25 were our Variant and Criterion Dungeons. Which oh. the, the, the Criterion Dungeon got a very, very uh, uh, unfortunate... Uh, um, uh, name shortening. Uh, another Sildon subterrain. Oh no! <laughs> they had to know. They had to know. Well, the 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 the, the community is using it. So. Okay, so yeah, I feel like that was on purpose. Then probably someone was like, "Hey, they're gonna call it that," and then someone else was like, "Yeah, and that's funny." Yeah, Koji. <sighs> I mean. <laughs> Given some of the texts I saw on other stuff, I'm pretty sure they feel a lot more free with the dirty jokes as of late. Oh, anyways, anyways. Uh, so <laughs> uh, the variant dungeon, the uh, story version, uh, as advertised, I ran my first one solo, took about half an hour or so, which is what I would expect for something like a trust dungeon or the like. So, you know, not unreasonable. Uh, Really fun to have a lot of that exploration aspect to it. Uh, you're adventuring with Nanamo, who is in fine form as she's descending down into the depths of a, a underground dungeon type thing. She's so adorable. Like she's trying her best, and she's also very scared of what's happening there. She's not an adventurer, but she, you could tell that she would have loved to be if things had worked out differently. Yeah, the reasoning that she's down there is actually quite interesting as well. I'm really enjoying the story components of this as well. It's really kind of a a, a tearjerker if you think about it as well. And mm-hmm. so far, yeah. I've only run it once, but uh, I do like that there are multiple ways that you can go. At least in in, in I know in all of the dungeons have that, but um, I think it's more simplified in the the first version. Those are just the three doors, and then there's m- even more when you when you expand it. So, uh, it's not. So, what it is is, I believe the, I believe the Criterion ones actually just have a single path. Uh, what it is is that there's three doors to start with that will send you down one of three routes, but then there's various other decisions that you need to make. 
Uh, for instance, on one of the routes, you need to decide whether you're going to pray to a statue of Nald or to a statue of Thal. Uh, there's a revisit of the uh, Karn scales puzzle, uh, which it's a lot less clear about how to solve it and requires you to put together some of your knowledge about Belladia, Ulda, and Silde if you want to work out that pathway. Okay. Uh, so for the people who love the lore, uh, this one's, of course, really focused on Uldah, Thanalan, and all the Thorn dynasty, all the various things there. And if you've got all those tidbits around, you're going to have lots of fun bits that will ask you to recall some of those details and put them together to make your way through different routes. Uh, there are 12 different routes in uh, the variant dungeon, I believe. Okay. Uh, I know there are guides already, of course. I have resolved to not look at any one of those and just see what I happen to find. Uh, I did work out the scale puzzle with the lore knowledge there and found a note with clues to an one of the other routes there. So for people who like puzzle solving and exploration, there's a lot of fun stuff there. It's Final Fantasy XIV's Puzzles and Dungeons. Mmm. <laughs> huh. Uh... The battle system uh, also seems reasonably well-tuned. Uh, while, of course, the four-player matching is available, if you do want to go solo or in smaller groups, uh, really good if you want to do it, say, with just a friend or something like that. Uh, it does supply you with variant actions to cover a lot of those uh, abilities that you might be missing. Uh, when I went as a tank, I went ahead and grabbed a cure spell and one that would put a dot on all the enemies around me. Yep, and when There's I went in, one. I grabbed the heal and the shield. Um, you can mm -hmm. also grab a, a raise, or uh, you can get An, a evoke. Yeah, the evoke is also AOE and also provides a temporary stun and uh, enmity generation for a bit. So if you are doing something in a small group or even a larger group without a tank, you can still have someone take on the tank role. Yep. Uh, the actions can be switched uh, freely during the dun through the dungeon as long as you're not in combat as well. So if something's not working or if you just decide you want to change it up a bit, lots of options for that. Yeah. Though that is not the, the, the case with the Criterion dungeon. You have to pick your yeah. actions before going in, form your party, and then you can enter. Yeah, so the variant one is uh, obviously the very story-focused one, uh, all the different routes that you could take. One other thing I'll mention is that there is a sub-boss that you encounter that I've been th on through it three times, so I've encountered on a couple different routes, and the sub-boss itself, it has the same mechanics no matter what, but stuff changes based on the arena you encounter it in. Okay. Like, uh, because it shows up on all three of the routes. It's a, it's a Hecatushionaire that uh, stumbles into things. Uh, but depending on which route you're on, you encounter it in a different arena. And so there's different stuff going on that adds to the mechanics as a direct result of that. Hmm. So, again, for people who really love that kind of, like, realistic world feel of like okay we have this thing it doesn't change what it is because of where it is it's still the same monster throughout it's kind of this nice touch that makes it feel more real world consistent and makes it feel more like okay yeah this is a thing it doesn't take you out of it uh the criterion dungeons of course are the harder uh, one i minimum i level six tenths to go in there uh and i know people who have been asking for extreme and savage experiences, but with dungeons instead of uh, raids, and I have heard nothing but good things from them about it so far. I can finally go in there, woo! I just hit uh, eye level 610. <laughs> 
I'm at 609, but I also tend to hoard my tombstones because I can't decide what to buy. So, I mean, ostensibly, I could be a lot higher there. Um, did you get your Manderville weapon yet? I did get my Manderville weapon. Okay, because, yeah, I, I have all um, of the uh, regular raid gear. And then got it. my one uh, old ring and then my weapon. And that has me right at 610. Uh, so... My old ring is a radiance ring and not an augmented radiance That's, ring. So yep. if I if you augment yeah, it, that would be probably fine. do it. That'll get you up there then. Because yeah, you're running everything else as uh, purgatory. Yeah. Yep. 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 So once you upgrade your ring, you'll be able to enter. Yeah. Uh, the the cap on it is I six thirty five. So this is something that they clearly intend to be challenging content for a while yet. Uh, lots of uh fun rewards from it. Uh. We've already like I've seen uh, em there's emotes. Nanamo actually gets the cutest sparkly eyed emote and surprise at the very things she encounters down there. And that's <laughs> one you're able to pick up for yourself. God, she's such an adorable little potato that we must protect. No, I, I'm so far. <laughs> yeah. My one run through there has been fun. I'm, I do plan on running it all the way and trying getting all uh, 12 different uh, endings. I believe there yep. is uh, some uh, rewards for that. Yes, there is, in fact, a mount, which is uh, one of the bosses. Mm -hmm. uh, again, for those who love lore, as you clear the different routes, there's also a survey record uh, that fills in chapters of a story. Uh, for Nanamo fans, you're going to get a lot of fun backstory about her, uh, her family, a lot of stuff about the history of Ulda and Sildi in general. Uh, we've had the Thorn Dynasty mentioned before, most frequently in the Little Ladies Days events, and that fills in a little bit more of their connection and how you had the different dynasties and why this dynasty of here kind of came in at a certain point during that. So lots of stuff taking some of these bits we'd had dribbled out to us and really bringing together, exploring them, uniting them, and using them to tell a new story in the process. So overall, I'm actually really impressed with this point oh five patch. It's yeah, it's one of the normally better you ones. Don't get, normally you don't get this much good story stuff in a, a point five patch. Mm -hmm. So yeah, props to oh. the story writers, props to all of the developers. I mean, you guys are just doing an amazing job. My only concern is, you know, based off of, you know, the knowledge that we have about when FanFest is coming out, um, and then the long delay that we're probably going to inevitably have between patch 6.5 and 7.0, unless maybe they give us a 6.6. We'll have to see. Maybe. We'll have to see. Huh. But... Other, but that's something for us to worry about in the future. For now, uh, I'll also mention that although it wasn't nearly as much of the content, they did continue to add some really cute furnishings from the design contest. All of those different lofts oh, now yeah. include a tatami loft. So oh, yeah. all of you weebs, you can go ahead and make your split level houses. Uh, as well as pretty much all the furniture from the uh, old Charlayan in slash dorm room. Which I have to say, I actually kind of like that sink. Now, since my Sega was so rudely interrupted, <laughs> that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode, guys. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like, subscribe, or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your preferred podcatcher is. And if possible, leave us a rating or review. 
It helps other people to find our show and lets us know how we're doing. If you really dig the show, please consider subscribing here at twitch.tv slash phoenixdownradio, where you'll get access to a number of subscriber-only emotes and badges. Or you can support us out on Patreon, like our benevolent overlord Aurori Fenrir, our shadowy foreign investor Tibian Salts, or our secret of nevermore Ravenheart by visiting patreon.com slash phoenixdownradio. All proceeds go towards growing the show, cover things like hosting costs, allow us to improve and upgrade our equipment, as well as do some fun things like contests and giveaways. But any... Any kind of support, whether it's emails, likes, tweets, retweets, subs, follows, donations, any of that, all greatly appreciated because we just love interacting with you guys and the rest of the community. And if you want to check out our backlog of episodes, go out to our, our website, www.phoenixstarradio.com. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, or just want to say hi, you can email us podcast at phoenixstarradio.com or you can hit us up on Twitter at phxdnradio. Sarah, any shout outs? Yes, I actually made notes about it this time around. Because <laughs> I, I always, did. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, uh, several shout outs. Uh, first off, I want to shout out uh, Spender's raid group, Bardaholics Anonymous, who very kindly welcomed me to join them for some runs on Barbariccia uh, X and are uh, going to be helping me out with uh, prepping me as an alternate for uh, days when some of their raiders can't make it. Cool. So, I mean, like. This is about the speed I like for raiding. I'm willing to learn the stuff and show up every so often, but I don't think I can do it every week, all the kind of thing. And it, it, nice folks, uh, really welcoming, uh, very patient with my missteps, very quick to praise when I did something clever or like managed to work my way through. There were a couple points where he had missteps through it and I reacted well, and the, they, they were very quick to observe that and point that out. So nice folks, really like them. I got an axe out of it. Thank you so much for Woo. that. Uh, I also want to uh, shout out the nice dragoon from my second variant run, who I'm going to start writing these things down when it happens, just because uh, I want to shout them out by name. Uh, my second variant run, dungeon run, I did as a matched party with random folks. Uh, as soon as we got in, they asked if, hey, hey, can you, uh, hey, can we let me handle this bit? Because I'm trying to get a particular route. Uh, and everyone seemed fine with that. They led the way. They were really good ab about not like overly spoiling things and uh, talking a bit back and forth. I was gushing about some stuff that was happening and they really engaged with me on that. And it made the whole experience a lot more fun. Working nice. out what was going on with the puzzle on that one, again, really brought into the feeling of, oh, hey, because we know all this lore, we get to really uh, find these hidden things in it. So and they were all they were also really encouraging as i was working out mechanics on some of those bosses some of which had some pretty cool and interesting mechanics going on with them yeah so big shout out to uh that person for making uh the run just a really fun enjoyable thing and helping encourage me to keep going with it thank you so much for that it was a really fun time uh Shout out to my friend Sophia for providing late night anime distractions this last week when I had to stay up working on some <laughs> data processing stuff for work. Nice. And a shout out to my friend Chris uh, on, I believe, Exodus server, uh, both for uh, the Renacetic gear he's crafting me, as well as the tea and cookies that he invited me over for the other day. Again, nice break from the routine. It's nice to have some friends in real life who I can talk about games and stuff as well. So big shout out to you as well, Chris. Uh, for those of you who aren't yet, you can follow me on Twitter at FF14SARE. That's FF, 
X-I-V-S-E-Y-R-R, where I post from time to time, depending on the impulse that takes me, uh, frequently resharing Moose's shit posts because they're good fun. Uh, You can also find me on the Phoenix Down Radio Discord. Uh, I'm always happy to chat with folks. I welcome the distraction from, oh my god, we have so much more in this data processing project. Uh, Not a lot of the librarians are as comfortable with a lot of the computer database systems, and they know I am, so they are giving me a lot to work with. Lucky you. I mean, honestly, it's kind of fun. I'm uh, getting to use some of the math skills I don't get to use nearly as often. But also, I have to ask Sophia for distractions because I'm up at 3 a.m. still plotting through some data processing. You mean your maths skills? Yes, maths. <laughs> Chili will appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, my real analysis teacher back in college, uh, she was British. And God, I loved it whenever she was talking about like the X, Y, and Z variable. <laughs> nice. Oh, there's something really fun about saying Z. Yeah. Anyways, how about you, Klaus? How's those shout outs this week? Well, I need to shout out uh, Peter and uh, Quentin over at Maelstrom Radio. They had me on last week. Um, mm. Go go check out uh, that podcast. Uh, I believe they called it Straight Man Thirsty Man. <laughs> You'll find out why when you go watch or listen. <sighs> it was a good time. I, ha- I had fun. We did some drinking. Always, always a positive, you know. Kind of need that sometimes with those guys, but hey, it was all good. Yeah, I mean, they're grateful. Uh, I'll go ahead. I'll also throw in for uh, since you mentioned before, I do join Quentin on Sunday mornings at Maelstrom Radio for a Stardew Valley stream, and that's also a really delightful time. Yep. So go check them out. A couple of uh, great podcasters, streamers, and uh, just cool people. So always awesome, as well as they have an amazing uh, um, producer, uh, Susan. So shout out to all of them so thank you so much for having me on there shout out to sarah for making me spend money on uh, ukiyo-e uh, art <laughs> you're supporting traditional japanese crafts it's a good cause no it, it is you know and also getting a really nice artwork for my house you know to, to expand that out um i had others now i'm trying to remember what they are ah, i need to write these things down too as i'm thinking <laughs> that's of them. why i wrote it down i get it i get it um Shout out to everybody who has donated so far to our Extra Life campaign. Uh, we are almost halfway to our $1,500 goal. We had a generous donation given out today uh, that pushed us at $700. So Damn. I'm, I'm very happy for everybody who has uh, been helping us there. Like I said, if you have a few dollars that you can donate to an amazing cause, uh, go check out our Extra Life campaign. And uh, it, and let me just link it here. And uh, like I said, we really appreciate you know you being able to help kids uh, with uh, hospital bills and and things like that. So tune in in two weeks uh, to see how all of that goes. I still have to get that whole um, ext- um stretch goal thing from last year taken care of yet. Maybe I'll do it live on the stream this year. Look forward to that. Plus the 30-inch pizza as well. <laughs> mm, that's a lot of pizza. Yep. Uh, you can uh, find me out on Twitter at PHXDN underscore K-L-A-U-S-S, as well as on the Discord. Um, like I said, we're really trying to expand uh, the things that we talk about on Discord. 
Um, we're getting a uh, fan fest room together um, for people to talk about, you know, their plans for that. We have the lore channels. We have uh, just some spoiler chats if you want to talk about, you know, storyline of new stuff going on and not have to worry about, uh, you know, whether you feel you need to be spoiled or not. Um, it's a nice safe place to talk about these things that you really want to talk about. Um, and I, I think we just have a really chill community. So um, stop by, take a look. And uh, if you're listening to this uh, on the podcast later on, I do urge you just to stop by sometime live or jump into the Discord, see what we're all about, and uh, and have some fun. So for my co-host, Sarah Tomono, I am Klaus Nightbringer, wishing everybody a wonderful evening. Thank you so much for joining us again, and we will see you in two weeks for Extra Life. Take care. Phoenix Down Radio is a production of phoenixdownradio.com and Illusion Productions. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. In-game content for Phoenix Down Radio is a copyright of Square Enix. Open to music for Phoenix Down Radio is provided by Guilty Gear Rocky. Check out the Metal Chocobo theme cover and many other music videos at youtube.com slash guiltygearrocky. Closing music for this episode is provided by GuitarWanker90. Please check out their full version of Matoya's Cave and other rock video game covers at youtube.com slash guitarwanker90. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of Phoenix Down Radio and its hosts and do not reflect the views of Square Enix.